0: Welcome along to a very special pop-up edition of our Fabulous Flowers podcast, dedicated entirely to the Chelsea Flower Show.
1: Oh, it's a lovely thing. Hello, Lucy. Um, Yes, it's very, very close to our hearts, and we're just devastated that this year's show has had to be cancelled due to the you-know-what. So we thought we'd reflect on this fantastic and time-honoured show by focusing on its long-established and truly great history. We're going to take you through the decades of the Chelsea Flower Show from its inception right up to the present day. Welcome
0: aboard. Absolutely. So it all began in the 19th century during the mid-1860s as the Great Spring Show. In the 1830s, in their garden at Chiswick, the Royal Horticultural Society held some flower shows where they'd previously put on a number of fates. We love a fate and affair, don't we, Paulie? Oh, we love that. Following these flower shows, the new Great Spring Show was held in 1862 at their garden in Kensington. The Kensington Garden was chosen as a site because the flower shows in Chiswick were experiencing falling visitor numbers due to problems on public transport. The Great Spring Show continued at Kensington for 26 years until 1888, when the RHS decided to move the show to the heart of inner London. The site they chose was the gardens at Temple on the River Thames, situated between the Embankment and Fleet Street. Those gardens at Temple date back to 1307, and they're said to be the time of the Knights Templar. The roses from those Temple gardens were even alluded to in Shakespeare's great play, Henry Sixth, Part 1. I'm sure that's another one of your uh, ticking off of the old Shakespeare texts there, Paulie. Ah, oh,
1: couldn't possibly comment.
0: Using two marquees requisitioned from the original Kensington shows, the 1888 show was a big success, with exhibits from both amateurs and commercial horticultural firms. By 1897, five marquees were being used, with many of the best-known plant and seed merchants attracted to the event, including one we still know and use today, the great Suttons.
1: Good old Suttons. I'm just loving all that. and. Actually, the embankment gardens date back to 1307. I mean, that's pretty amazing.
0: Isn't it? But,
1: yeah. But uh, we should move swiftly onwards to the 1900s, Lucy. So, in 1912, the Temple Garden Show was cancelled to make way for the Royal International Horticultural Exhibition. Sir Harry Veitch, Veitch, I'm going to say Veitch, the great nurseryman, secured the grounds of the Royal Hospital Chelsea for this one off event. It proved such a good site for an exhibition that the Great Spring Show was moved there in 1913, where it has subsequently evolved into the wonderful Chelsea Flower Show we know today, and it's taken place there almost every year since. The First World War A few months after the second Chelsea Show, war was declared in Europe. The show continued in 1915, and, even though a number of exhibitors dropped out, it was treated as a normal show. Things changed in 1916 because compulsory conscription began in January, and many RHS staff members were called to war. There was also the feeling that ornamental gardening was an inappropriate thing at the time and, well, and after 1916. They thought it was just all a bit too much when people were you know, going to war. So the show was cancelled for the duration of the war, so uh, no shows took place in 1917 and 1918, very, very sadly.
0: Mm, That is a shame. However, by the Roaring Twenties, the Chelsea Flash Show was back in full swing. The infamous Chelsea Tea Parties were established and royal visits resumed. In 1926, the show was held a week late due to the general strike.
1: I'm just loving the thought of all those mad flappers in the Twenties having a lovely swinging tea party. It's fabulous. Anyway, um, then we move on to the 1930s, Lucy. So The show was discontinued in 1939 for the Second World War. The RHS instead focused on their Dig for Victory campaign, showing how to grow food at home. In 1937, King George and Queen Elizabeth celebrated their coronation year. And to mark the occasion, a superb empire exhibition was staged. It featured wattles from Australia, pines from Canada, brilliant gladioli from East Africa, and even a big prickly pear tree from Palestine. That's a bit of a tongue twister. (laughs) Between the two world wars, rock gardens were probably the most popular feature of the show, being all the rage, drawing large, large crowds.
0: Very interesting, Paulie. So on to the 1940s. The show was cancelled, as we know, during the Second World War because the land was in fact required by the War Office for an anti-aircraft site. After the end of the war in 1945, it was decided to bring back the show as quickly as possible. The majority of exhibitors wanted a postponement, as stocks of plants were low, staff depleted, and you could only get fuel for the greenhouses in very short supply, and that's of course how they grew their plants, and you needed to get a permit to obtain the fuel. But Lord Aberconway, the then RHS president, and the RHS council felt strongly that the show should resume as soon as possible. When the Chelsea Flower Show returned in 1947, It was hailed as a huge triumph, even though there were far fewer exhibitors and orchid stands. But this was cleverly disguised by scattering the floral displays throughout the marquee. It was said at the time that the show represented the determined effort to keep the flag of British horticulture flying.
1: I can almost hear the dam busters in the background, but um, that's lovely, Lucy. But moving on to the 50s. A big change came to Chelsea Flower Show in the 50s, and in 1951 the many tents were replaced by a single large marquee that was bigger than anything the show had seen before. The structure was supported by 278 tent posts and covered one and a half hectares, spending years in the Guinness Book of Records as the world's largest tent. The 50s also saw Queen Elizabeth II come to the throne, She was made a royal patron of the RHS in 1952, making her first visit to the show as queen in 1955. Can we have a bit of a fanfare there, please, Lucy?
0: In the 1960s, the great swinging 60s, the arrival of the 60s was welcomed at Chelsea by the largest display of orchids ever staged at the show. There were 5,000 square feet of orchid stands and displays. The popularity of rock gardens dwindled in the 60s until there was only one left in 1965. They were replaced by the tree and shrub gardens and bonsai trees also made their first appearance at Chelsea in the 1960s with a display from the Japan Society of London.
1: It's amazing how these trends come and go, isn't it, really? Um, But I'm just thinking about all those splashy orchids in the 60s. must have been fabulous. So moving on to the 70s. Another change in horticulture, rather than growing plants from seed, people got a bit lazy and wanted to do sort of instant gardening. So they moved towards impulse buying, sort of container-grown plants ready to go. So um, this decade also saw the rise of the celebrity garden designer who began appearing on the television. So people like Percy Thrower spring to mind, you know, and the wonderful legendary plantswoman Beth Chatto made her first appearance in 1976. Amazing woman. The following year saw her win the first of 10 consecutive Chelsea gold medals. Really staggering. In 1979, the show became so crowded that admissions were prevented for the first time in the show's history. As the 1970s progressed and the trousers got flarier, the attendance at the Chelsea Flower Show climbed by as much as 6,000 visitors in a single year recorded in 1978. In 1979, crowding became so severe in the mornings that the turnstiles were temporarily closed to help ease congestion, and it was clear that some plan of action was required was required to ease the overcrowding in future years. It does get very popular, you know?
0: Hmm, very popular. I'm still giggling about the flares, actually. So I suppose now, um, swishy. <laughs> it is indeed my job to guide you through the era of the shoulder pad, the 1980s. In 1980, it was decided to open the show from 8 a.m. and close it at 8:30 in the evenings with a reduced price for entry after 4 p.m. to try and draw people away from the morning slot and a one-way system was laid out in the marquee. The arrangements worked better than expected. In 1980, there were only 8 show gardens at Chelsea. By 1985, this had more than doubled. Visitor numbers continued to increase and in 1987 the turnstiles were closed again to help ease the congestion. In 1988, a limit of 40,000 visitors per day was imposed. That's 90,000 less in total at the week's show from the previous year. And the RHS members were charged for tickets for the first time. An immediate response was a fall in attendance. By April, ticket bookings were so low that national advertisements were taken out to encourage people to come to Chelsea and the original announcement that tickets would not be available on the gate were rescinded in favour of allowing purchasing of tickets upon entry. 1988 also saw the arrival of Courtyard Gardens.
1: All these changes are just riveting, aren't they, really? Gosh. Mm. So moving swiftly on, Lucy, to the 1990s. Can we vaguely remember them? I think we can. The 90s brought two... (laughs) Sorry, darling.
0: Only just...
1: Moving on to the 1990s, Lucy, and it brought two more great horticultural women to the public eye. The crazy-haired Carol Klein in 1990 and the wonderful Jekka McVicker in 1993, both first appearing at the show. Mediterranean gardens became popular in the 1990s and this decade also saw the arrival of conceptual gardens, gardens that exist to express a theme. Hampton Court Palace Flower Show was also established in 1990, with the RHS taking over the show in 1993. A hierarchy of flower shows soon established, with Chelsea becoming the peak for garden designers.
0: Rumping through the 2000s now, a big change came in 2000 with the removal of the old marquee. Its remains, made up of five hectares of canvas, were recycled into 7,000 tote bags, jackets, and aprons. It was replaced with a pavilion that started as a double, but later became one large single structure. Garden design became more daring in the 21st century, one example being the Top Gear's infamous James May's garden, made entirely from plasticine. It failed to win any awards, but he was presented with an RHS gold medal made out of plasticine.
1: Lucy, do you know what? Those are my two favourite stories. I just love them. Love them. Mm-hmm. Love the Marquis and James May. Wonderful, wonderful. But moving on to kind of 2010, this saw garden design continuing to evolve to draw attention from the public. One example of this was seen in 2010 with Laurie Chetwood and Patrick Collins's design containing a nine metre tall structure as a framework for an edible garden. Amazing. And the brilliant Joe Swift designed his first garden for the show in 2012 for the home-based Teenage Cancer Trust. Wonderful, wonderful. His efforts Mm. were very well received, and he won a gold medal. Very well deserved, I'd say. And moving on to more delicious things. In 2019, no, I'm lying there. In 2016, Jardin Blanc was unveiled at Chelsea with Michelin-starred restaurateur Raymond Blanc, promising unforgettable dining experiences in spectacular surroundings thus spearheading, a revolution in the show's catering options. And I have to say, Lucy, you and I have definitely experienced some of those lovely catering options in the past.
0: I I do remember those, Paulie, and I think it's only fair to say that that's a job that has to be done when you visit Chelsea, just to check out the catering and beverage facilities. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) So moving on to the Chelsea Flower Show as we know and love it today. From 2005, the show increased from four days to five, with the first two days only open to RHS members. This format is still in place and the show is extensively covered now also on television by the BBC. Several members of the British Royal Family attend a preview of the show on the first day, being the Tuesday, as part of the Royal Patronage of the RHS. Tuesday and Wednesday are also for RHS members. The remaining three days are available to the general public. The area of land devoted to the show gardens increased steadily between 1970 and 2000. The show has become an important venue for watching trends. New plants are often launched at the show and the popularity of older varieties revived under the focus of the horticultural world. It's the garden design equivalent of a catwalk at a fashion show. I love that. That's
1: fabulous. Well, I've loved our little romp down the garden path of the Chelsea Flower Show, Lucy. It's been really fascinating. But can I just bring along some fun facts about the Chelsea Flower Show? Should we do that?
0: Let's do that. Let's jump in. Well, I have to say, compared to the first
1: RHS Chelsea Flower Show, staged in one large tent with a total of 244 exhibitors. Today, the event spans 23 acres with 500 exhibitors and and 500 gardens. I mean, that's amazing. I mean, that's 500 in total. It also includes show gardens, artisan gardens and fresh gardens. And there are also over 100 exhibitors at the, in the Great Pavilion alone and around 270 stands. And I have to say, I do love the floral tent with all the really funky, fabulous flower arrangements. Really marvellous.
0: Brilliant. Mm, that's amazing. Um, another fun fact I've got here, whilst it's been seen as the most prestigious flower show in Britain, the RHS Chelsea Flower Show is not the largest. Can you guess, Paulie, what is larger as a flower show than RHS Chelsea?
1: We don't know. Is it... Is it ooh, no, I give up. Go on.
0: It, it is RHS Hampton Court Palace Flower Show. Who knew?
1: Gosh, that cheeky new one that came along and overtook it. Blimey. Um, well, do you know what? I mean... You probably you probably know this, Lucy, but the Chelsea Flower Show is heralded as the World Cup of gardening. I love that. It's slightly more mm-hmm. interesting than football. I didn't say that. Um, preparing for the show can be stressful for the army of gardeners, and it takes weeks and weeks and months and months of painstaking and grueling preparation. Not to mention all the transit, the plants, the designers, the tears. I mean, it's just a, you know, it's a huge labour of love. The whole thing
0: it certainly is. And did you know that each year the judging is carried out democratically and 45 minutes is spent on each garden? There's then a debate and a chat amongst the panel and they pride themselves on this process.
1: Gosh, it's really, they're real sticklers, aren't they? I love the tradition, though. It's really fascinating. Mm. But this <laughs> this makes me laugh. Gnomes are a no-no, apparently. Ooh,
0: that's, that's not a bad thing.
1: I have to say gnomism. Does it exist? Can one be gnomist? But um, they were officially banned from the flower show until 2013, when a display of 150 of the little blighters was gathered to greet the Queen. <laughs> I love that.
0: That's marvellous. <laughs> it's
1: fantastic, isn't it? These characters had been painted and styled by a number of celebrities, including Sir Elton, Mary Berry, and of course the fragrant Joanna Lumley. The ban has been brought back into force, but garden designers are known to try and sneak them in undetected
0: every year. Who knew? That's funny, isn't it? Instead of "Where's Wally," it's "Where's the gnome." <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. <gasps> now, this is one of my favourite facts, Paulie. Getting towards the uh, the end of the facts here, and mine is moving over to beverages. So, um, the guests, do they prefer champagne or pims? What do you think, Paulie? <sighs> Maybe pims. In 2015, staff served 7,000. 720 glasses of pims. They also served, drum roll, 10,823 flutes of champagne. So the champagne, the bubbles win. Hurrah. Oh my
1: gosh, blimey. It's a lot of, lot of guzzling.
0: They also served 64,144 hot beverages, 28,477 cakes, pastries and cookies. There were some famous new plants launched in 2016, which included the Mary Berry Rose by Harkness, Deliflor's Princess Charlotte chrysanthemum, and the wonderful David Austin Roses launched their peach coloured roll doll.
1: Oh, again, some really lovely little nuggets there, darling. Fabulous. Mm. Oh, but you know, every good thing comes to an end. And what I adore about Chelsea Week, you know, when there's crowds and the ups and downs and tears and laughter and the show closes on the last day it's a traditional thing they ring a big bell and that's when most of the plants are for sale which is just a marvelous thing and they're all at bargain prices um so you see all these people walking down chelsea Embankment carrying huge great sort of delphiniums and stuff and then lots of the other gardens are re sort of put together for charities and sort of you know maggie gardens and stuff like that which is a fabulous thing but um but it's very sad it's not happening this year, Lucy. And I you know, it's very exciting that 2020, the Chelsea Flower Show, it's a virtual thing online now. So wonderful tutorials from expert gardeners and florists. It's fantastic to tune into. So if you are sort of feeling the loss of Chelsea, do tune into those. the virtual Chelsea Flower Show. Um I mean it's so fabulous. And I live fairly nearby and it's always fascinating to see the spectacle rise from these bare lawns of the Royal Hospital. Um, It's like a phoenix and the the anticipation of the medals and this year's hot trends, I mean, it's it's all so exciting. And and for me, I've, over the years, had many happy memories there, from naughty, impulsive buys to delicious lunches and delicious drinkies that I think we've shared a few, Lucy. Um, Mm. (laughs) But I've really, really loved it. But one of my favourite ones was a, a gorgeous friend of mine. Her father was kind of a bigwig in the RHS. So she got um, me invited to the, the, the day that the Queen goes. It was just so calm and civilized. And it's lovely to hobnob with a star or two, you know, quite you know, oh, shy I, I get with the, with the hobnobbing of the stars. I love all that. Yes. Yeah, um, but it's also such a lovely thing. And as I said, it is going to be sorely missed this year. But um, I'm sure it'll dazzle all those with porch cultural leanings for many years to come.
0: Absolutely. We can reunite next year, Paulie at chelsea and enjoy the flower show together once again fabulous darling fabulous okay well that's the end of our special pop-up podcast hope you enjoyed everyone um with a great nod and a wonderful tipping of the hat to the amazing chelsea flower show all the teams that work there all the people that helped to put it on and a big shout out to everyone that's making it a virtual show this year
1: absolutely lucy well it's goodbye from me
0: And it's a jolly special edition podcast goodbye from me. Goodbye. Bye.